0: From
1: the VIP lounge to the gridiron, it's everything you need to know from pop culture to free throws. This is Cleats and Cocktails with your hosts, Meg and Taniella. Welcome to Cleats and Cocktails. I'm Taniella, and I'm Meg. This week's episode of Cleats and Cocktails is brought to you by hand-shaken daiquiris, lime daiquiris, I will say. Um, These daiquiris were made up of two ounces of white rum, three-quarters of an ounce of lime juice, and three-quarters of an ounce of simple syrup, shaken with ice in a cocktail shaker, and then poured um, also over ice. Yes, keeping it cool. Yeah.
0: They are strong. (laughs) They are strong. (laughs) Um, But they're like... They're, like, deceptive in that I find myself, I keep sipping it. Yeah. Like, they don't have, like, a kick to them that makes me, like, the way if you had, like, scotch or something where I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah. got to slow this down. Like, like you, you're going to guzzle a few of these down, and your day's going to end real quick. Yeah.
1: I was saying that these are probably a really good um, margarita substitution for me because I don't like tequila, and so I would often not get, like, a lime margarita, but a lime margarita actually always sounds like it would be delicious to me because it's basically like lime juice and tequila. So really just the lime juice sounds like it would be good. <laughs> you... <laughs> oh <laughs> So anyways, basically I feel like these could be good substitutions for me if everyone else around me is drinking margaritas. So I feel like I have to participate, basically just get them to make it for me, but with rum instead of tequila. Anyways, that
0: was a rant. Well, I think that if you want a margarita with rum, it just becomes a daiquiri. True. Like, <laughs> but often they don't have like a handshaken daiquiri like this. True. It would be blended with
1: ice and it's a whole big thing. Right. Big it's production. It's a whole big production. Gotta <laughs> get the blender <laughs> and out of the uh,
0: whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, um, up this week we're going to do our Pick 6 News Stories and then we're going to do a reality review. We're keeping it like a little bit short. Yeah. I feel, Not like,
1: bad. I feel like we've had a few long ones, so it's like time for a shorter
0: one. Yeah, and we're going to break up the sports talk a little bit with uh, some very necessary updates on Big Brother and Bachelorette. Yes. 100%. Okay, so um, jumping right into pick six. And it's going to be a pick six. Up first this week, we are going to talk about NBA, and as we were planning this podcast, I should point out that Megan profiled wanting to start with the NBA because she cares about it and therefore assumes everyone else also cares about it.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah, I think I said, I think that's what everyone cares about most. Well, it's what I care about most, so I just assume it's what everyone else cares about most. Perfect. Okay. Potentially a sketchy assumption, but you
0: know. Um, Well, the thing that we want to report is that uh, Kawhi has officially signed his deal with the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, He's actually only signed a two plus one deal, meaning two years plus one year of a player option. Um, And it's worth $102 million. So he's getting paid $51 million a year. Just a whole lot of money. Because
1: he's not going to play. Well, I guess it's split over three years. Yes. So 30 whatever million. But he's obviously not going to play the last year. So, like the pro- the point of him doing this, at least my understanding—correct me if I'm wrong—is that he'll play his two years for this, then he'll be eligible to re-sign with them at the max, the super max contract or whatever.
0: Yeah, and um, by that point, the contracts will have gone up per year as well, like because every year more money gets added to how much you can make per year as you get older, et cetera. Um, so there's a whole lot of money in his future. So yeah. he's for sure just going to opt out at the third year and re-sign for much more money. Yeah, even. Though 100 million seems like a lot, yeah. Um, so yeah, that is what it is. Um, it's interesting because last week we talked a lot about um, our feelings on Kawhi leaving. Um, Meg had bold predictions about LA, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it's funny because afterwards, um, Nick, my husband, actually pointed out that he thinks the opposite, yeah, they're gonna win (laughs) all the championships. He thinks they're gonna
1: win three out of four. That was his prediction.
0: So, I mean, we're on opposite ends of the spectrum with that, yeah. I mean. Either way, one of you will likely be right, because mm-hmm. like I don't think they're gonna fall somewhere in the middle. I think it's either they're gonna be incredible or they're not gonna win shit. Yeah, I really, it's gonna be interesting, man. I really don't know. I don't know. Anyways, also Danny Green has a podcast. Um, by the way, our former. Raptor, Danny Green, who now plays for the Lakers. Um, And he sort of, like, after he released one of his most recent episodes, people were sort of reading between the lines because it sounded like he was actually... And most of the players were a little bit frustrated with how Kawhi handled everything. Yeah. He talked about how, like, he reached out to Kawhi for, like, bro, what are you doing? Are you going to resign? Got to figure out what my life's going to be. And there was just radio silence from him. Yeah. Which is, like, kind of a shitty move, you know? He's yeah. been with Kawhi his, almost his whole his entire career. So, like, it's a little bit, like, I don't... I get the radio silence because you want to keep everything under wraps. You don't want any drama. But, like, this also causes drama in and of itself. Yeah. And it sounds like they were all pretty frustrated with how it was handled. But, I mean, it is what it is. Kawhi is in LA. That's the end of it. Yeah.
1: Um, I feel like we should also mention last week I made a comment about how I was wondering why the Raptors hadn't signed anyone else or if we would sign someone else because I felt like if we were losing Kawhi and Danny, then obviously we had cap space, so why wouldn't we? But then it was quickly brought to our attention, or my attention, you may have already known this, um, also by Danielle's husband, (laughs) that... I guess they actually didn't have cap space because when they took, like, when they made the trade with, um, where did they come from again? San Antonio. San Antonio, that they were taking on, like, more money with them than who they traded away. Yeah. Because they also would have traded picks in that deal, didn't they? Probably, yeah. So whatever it is, they ended up taking on, like, more like players that cost them more money. Mm-hmm. And so, but that's, you're, you're able, like you're okay to do that when
0: it's like part of a trade, I guess. Yeah. It let's see. it allows you to go deeper into the, um, over the cap. The other without thing without having to pay the luxury tax. Yes. It's like, however, it, yeah, I think it's like less of, uh, being less penalized for going deeper into the cap. And okay. the other thing is that you, after you have the players, like to retain them, you have their bird rights. I think they're called, um, which again allows you to re sign them at like stupid amounts of money and go over the cap without getting like heavily penalized. It's how Clay Thompson uh, and Kevin Durant and Steph all re sign because they're all three superstars. And it's like, how the fuck can you pay all these people? It's because they all belong to the team. So they can just like. Uh, okay. Put them so all that's like,
1: how we could have afforded to give Kwai all that money. Yeah. Which makes sense that now they're gone that extra cap room that we were using is also gone so we're back to like whatever the regular cap is so there's really actually no space yeah there's like no money yeah and again unless they can go over the cap like you're allowed to do that so they couldn't do that
0: it's like it's like what four dollars of tax for every like you have to pay in tax for every one dollar you go over the cap Ooh! So there's like 40 million dollars or something we had to pay. <laughs> like, it was stupid. Uh. I mean, what does MLSE care? We've made so much money in this championship that they legitimately don't care. Right. But that's the actual penalty. That's why it's so brutal. That's why yeah. some teams who have gotten themselves into really bad cap trouble, the Brooklyn Nets were really bad for a while. Um, they were like into like the hundred million cap tax thing, luxury tax. Wow. Like it's bad. Yikes. Yeah. But anyways, um, that's basically why we won't have anyone else. Yeah. My my bet is that throughout the year, Masai is going to start to look for opportunities for trades because that's how you get these people. And he'll just work his usual magic. Yeah. The other big thing that happened in the NBA is that um, Russell Westbrook of the Oklahoma City Thunder has been traded to the Houston Rockets for Chris Paul. And 2024 and 2026 picks and 2021 and 2025 pick swaps. So essentially, what this means is that the Oklahoma City Thunder have enough draft picks to field seven teams over the next 10 years.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because if you don't recall from last week, the Oklahoma City Thunder, which is where Russell Westbrook was playing, is also where um, Paul George, Paul George, no. Yeah, okay, I keep getting them mixed up because Chris Paul, Paul George, yes. I'm like, everyone's got the same name, what yeah. the hell? Paul George, who went to LA with Kawhi, he was playing in Oklahoma, so now Oklahoma just got all this shit, basically. They gave yeah. up their two-star players, but they got yeah a bunch of stuff in return.
0: Because OKC got four unprotected first-round picks, one protected first-round pick, and two pick swaps for the Paul George trade, and then add another four picks for... Or, like, two new picks plus two pick swaps for this
1: trade. Yeah, there was a couple posts on TSN and Sportsnet that basically outlined, like, the next several years of the NBA draft. And, like, it's just, like, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Oklahoma.
0: Honestly, like, if anyone... If the commissioner wasn't the one to announce the players, like, OKC could just stand up there for two hours and just draft. They would yeah. never have to get off the stage. They have so many people. Yeah. Um, and so many picks. So this is actually a really massive trade because... Um, It's reuniting Russell Westbrook and James Harden, who played together on OKC with Kevin Durant. um, And they were the team that had they actually stayed together and weren't horribly mismanaged um, and all got paid. That was also when Serge was playing for them. Ah. They would have won a title. Ah. There is no doubt in my mind they would have won a title. They were too good at that time. And they were literally on the verge of of being this massively dominant team. And their management just fucked it all up. So... This is reuniting Russ and James Harden. Chris Paul's career is essentially over at this point. Um, I don't really like Chris Paul anyways. He's a diva, like a major Mm -hmm. diva. If you ever watch a West Coast game with him playing, he's like the whiniest player on the court. Like Mm -hmm. every time he gets fouled, he's like up in the ref's face and bitching and complaining and like, I don't love him. Um, And so, but like Chris Paul being, going to Houston initially was like this huge thing and like, yep, this is the point guard that they need. They're going to win a title and they couldn't do it. And so they shipped him off. Wow. And Chris Paul is worth, uh, his contract is really big, so no one's picking it up.
1: Mm. And
0: there's no way. So this is the end for Chris Paul, more than likely. I think he's like 30 plus at this point. And um, how many, did you say how many years he has left on it? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. So whatever's left, he'll play out
1: in Oklahoma.
0: exactly. I think it's like 30 plus million a year he's making right now. Um, so yeah, I'm super interested to see what happens because at the time that Russell Westbrook and James Harden played together with KD, um, James Harden won six man of the year. He was a bench player. Oh. So now James Harden is like literal MVP and Russ is continues to be himself. Um, but they're both like I, I put it on Twitter. I said, like, what's the space term for having two black holes in close proximity to each other? Because that's essentially what they both are. Like the ball dies in their hands. Russell Westbrook. To his credit, actually does have, I think he was leading the lead, league in assists, but he's like, it's it doesn't seem like that because he always has the ball and he always tries to like shoot himself back into the game and... James Harden constantly shoots the ball too. So I have no clue how this is going to work. Right. Literally none. It could be a complete disaster, which obviously I'd be here for. Right. Um, (laughs) Obviously. Obviously. Uh, But like the West is going to be a literal like war next year. Mm -hmm. Because now Houston is again legit. Like Chris Mm -hmm. Paul was sort of like, I don't know that Houston can do it. But like now you have Houston, both LA teams and um, Golden State. And... There are teams like Denver who were really good Mm -hmm. and are still going to be good next year. So, like, I don't know. They're all going to kill each other. Yeah. I'm here for it. Yeah. It's going to be good.
1: Um, Okay. Well, I actually feel like we have a few basketball stories on the agenda for this week. But next Mm. up, we're going to talk about Kia Nurse. Yay! um, Who is a Canadian female basketball player. I don't think we've actually talked about her on this podcast at all, which is kind of sad. Um, but basically the reason we're talking about her is because she was named to the all-star game for the WNBA as a starting point guard Um, so we thought that we would just sort of take this opportunity to give a little bit of a background on her and then also talk a little bit about the WNBA um, because again not something we've really talked much about on this podcast other than in passing Um, so Kia is uh, from Hamilton so GTA girl Um, she's currently 23 and she's playing for the New York Liberty in the WNBA so so in college she actually played for Connecticut but there were over 50 schools who approached her to play for them. Wow. So she like had a really good high school career obviously with Damn. basketball. Damn. Yeah. Um, so she was actually drafted last year April of 2018, 10th overall by New York and then has been playing for them since then. So the regular season for the WNBA is actually from May, to end of May to start of September um, and then they go into playoffs. So Fun
0: fact, they are on TV this year. Oh. Yeah, w- like, WNBA's been on almost every night on TSN. Oh, on like Canadian TSN. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I've never been able to watch WNBA before this. I mean, maybe it was on and I just never noticed. I don't think it was, though. Um, but it's been on, and I've been making a concerted effort. Wow. Yeah, I'm so excited.
1: That's awesome um yeah so their season just started i don't know six weeks ago ish um so yeah she's been playing in the league for a year um there are six teams in each conference so 12 teams total in the league they have the eastern and the western conference um currently kia's team new york is in fourth place um in the eastern conference um So yeah, some of the things that we were gonna talk about in terms of differences with WNBA and NBA. So in the NBA, everyone probably knows now that they have four 12-minute quarters. Um, In the WNBA, they have four 10-minute quarters instead, so just slightly shorter. Um, their ball size is slightly different, so the, um, circumference of the women's ball is 28 and a half to 29 inches, and I guess it's a range because it sort of dependent on how inflated the ball is, yeah. so, like, it can range by, like, half an inch circumference, um, and then the men's ball is 29 and a half inches, so it's basically an inch bigger, like, r- 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 bigger around
0: circumference. I mean, it wise. makes sense, like, Kawhi's hand is massive, yeah, exactly. you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: Completely makes sense. Um and then the only other real main difference is the three point line. So the NBA three point line is about a f- one foot and seven inches farther away from the net at the arc than the women's line is. Fair. Um otherwise it's basically the same. Mm-hmm. All the rules are the same, mm-hmm. like fouls, everything like that. yeah much runs the same.
0: Um so quick side note on Kia Nurse, her brother Darnell plays for the Edmonton Oilers. Oh. And their cousin oh. Sarah plays for the Toronto Furies. Wow, just a very athletic family. Yeah, it must be nice, eh? That's They're impressive. just born with amazing genes. <laughs> Seriously.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah, they're very talented. Wow. Um, also, the reason why we're bringing this up is that um, it is looking very likely that Toronto's getting a WNBA team. Wow. Yes. For what season? I think it's the 2020 season. It might be 2021, but it might... Uh, I'd have to double check, but it might actually be next season, Okay, Um, which is so freaking exciting. That is very exciting. Like, I can't wait. I'm definitely going to go. I'm hoping they put it at, like, the Toronto, like, is it where Toronto 905 play near you? At the... Is that at OVO? Yeah, is that where Toronto is that where the nine to five play? I don't know. I think so, um, but I I'm so excited that Toronto is gonna get this because we have the Raptors who are Canada's team, and now we're gonna have a WNBA team too to help coincide with that. And I feel like Toronto's on such a basketball high that we'll legitimately like actually be full send on this yeah. Toronto is craving sports and um, I'm so excited that we're that they're looking at Toronto as a market where they can really make money yeah agreed it's so exciting I can't wait agreed um, okay so we're gonna jump into tennis quickly um, because we Wimbledon has come finished officially. Um, in On the women's side, it was Simona Halep versus uh, Serena Williams in the final. And Serena got, like, spanked. Mm-hmm. It was not, not even close. <laughs> it was not even an hour-long match. Simona Halep looked unbelievably good. And good for her. Simona Halep is a phenomenal player. She's been at the top, like, within the top five for ages. And, and she's also from the U.S., right?
1: Or no? no, she's oh.
0: Romanian. Oh. Something like that. Oh. Um, and so she is, she's really, really good, but she's only won, I think one grand slam before this. She always seems to choke in the finals. Like this was her thing. Mm. And so, but she looked super solid against Serena. She was super quick, um, and had Serena running and she, there, it was no contest, but you know what? It was really fun. We got our Megan Markle signing, uh-huh. princess Megan and Kate Middleton was there too. Yeah. So, I mean, let's be honest, we were waiting the entire tournament for it. All you could ask for, really. Yeah, and they looked so cute. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Ugh. It must be nice to be, like, a royal and you just, like, sashay your way into Wimbledon final, sit in the front row, like, just having the time. Yeah. Um, so, on the men's side, it was a pretty epic end to Wimbledon. So, first up, in the semifinals, we had Roger Federer versus Rafael Nadal. This is a really big deal because for anyone who hasn't, followed the world of tennis. This is one of the best rivalries in sports history, in my opinion. It's gone on for literally over a decade. Roger and Rafa were both number one and number two, respectively, forever. They went something like two straight years where every single Grand Slam was won by one of them. Wow. It was ridiculous. Um, And so they've gone head to head forever in their careers. Um, Roger, Rafa actually has the upper hand. They've met 40 times. 25 of those 40 matches were finals. Wow. (laughs) Can you imagine? That's.
1: Outrageous. Yes.
0: So and uh, so, Rafa has the upper hand as like a 26 to 14 head-to-head, but Roger's done better in the later years, which is sort of just a testament to how ridiculously well... He's on like the Tom Brady cryogenic freezing yourself mm. in the off-season diet. Right. Yeah. So um, in the semifinals, we had Roger versus Rafa, so... ESPN was literally creaming themselves over this because I think it's their first time meeting at Wimbledon since 2008. And that 2008 match is considered to be probably the greatest match in tennis history. Hmm. It went five sets. It was the longest match in Wimbledon history. Uh, Finals history? Definitely finals history. Um, And Rafa came out on top. It was just so back and forth. Um, Roger came out on top in this one. He won in four sets, went to the finals, where he met Novak Djokovic, who is the current, basically, in the conversation for one of the best ever. Yeah, he's like ranked first in the world, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he was seated first in this tournament. He must I have thought been. He was. He had yeah. the one in brackets next oh, to his name. Oh, perfect. Is that, what yeah. that means yeah. Yeah. Because um, I think it was Novak, Roger, and Rafael top three. Yeah. So. Super exciting match. It was it was epic. And I'm so excited you watched it. I did. I it did. was really good. We were
1: up really early on Sunday and then it just like yeah, we saw it
0: right from the beginning. It was like in a very intense match. It went 5 sets and it then overtook the Rafa Roger match for being the longest in Wimbledon history. It went almost 5 hours. Yeah. Which is like can you imagine playing tennis for 5 straight hours? I can't even imagine playing it for 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like, I feel like I would be, like, just sweating. And they, like, were barely looking, like, flustered. Roger didn't sweat. Yeah. Like, at the end of the match, when he sat down, I was like, have you drifted sweat at any point? Yeah. Like, he just looks, like, fresh and glowy. Yeah. Like, I can't even fathom how hard that is on your body. Yeah. So, um, in the end, Novak Djokovic actually did win. Um, the thing that's interesting about this, so, in Wimbledon, they have their own special set of rules, because they have to be different. Of course. Uh, of course. So in tennis, um, if you are tied at the end of a set, you go to a tiebreaker. So um, it's like a back and forth one. Like I don't even know how to. You trade it.
1: serves every point, right? Or yes. to every point.
0: Yeah, and then um, you go back and forth until the first person to get to seven. seven.
1: So, the scoring changes. We've talked before about how the scoring goes 15, 30, 40, but in the tiebreaker, it just goes one, two, three, yeah, four, five. Yeah, it goes one.
0: Yeah, one, And, and then one. the
1: first one to get to seven, but you still have to win by two points.
0: Yes. Um, so, the other thing is so that is how typically tennis is played. But in Wimbledon, in the fifth set, they're like, no, 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 we don't need a tiebreaker. You just have to win by um, two games. So rather than going to a tiebreaker, if it ends at like 6-6, um, you have to win 8-6 or you have to win 10-8 or however it is. So this is how Wimbledon has been forever. And then finally this year, people were like, listen, it's kind of outrageous the idea that people could go to like 40-40 and still be playing. Like, you've got to change this. So Wimbledon was like, cool. If it manages to get to 12-12, we'll do a tiebreaker. Also, just to clarify, this
1: is like 12 12- games. Yes. Like 12 games to 12 games. Yes. Meaning- which I still really struggle with the tennis language. Like every time I watch tennis, I still need Greg to retell me what it all means again. Like it's very hard to wrap your head around if you don't watch it regularly.
0: Um but yeah. To like for to put like a bit of I'm going to say math, which is scary because we don't do math on this podcast. Um to get to one Game, you need to go fit. You need to win 15, then you move to 30, and then you move to 40, and then you get your game if right. you're the first person to do it. So, there's three points that you need to win in order to get to one. So, you get 15, 30, 40, sorry, four points. Four points, yeah. And right. then you get to one. So, if you're at 12, 12, right, you've played 12. 48 times 2,
1: 96.
0: Yeah, 96 points. Yeah. I think. 96. Is that right? Let me, is, let me just double check that math. <laughs> okay, you I quickly check tri- that. I think that's right. Um, but that's ridiculous. 96 points to get to a tiebreaker. Like, I play, I have played recreational tennis yeah. with my husband and I think we got to like four points and my wrist was so sore we had to stop. Okay, so I clarified it is 96, but that's the bare minimum. That's bare if you minimum. only
1: get like four points, which they weren't doing. No. They were having a lot more back and forth. Yes. And so... And a lot of... Um, What's it called when they're tied? Uh, deuce? Yeah. Okay. So if they get tied 40-40, then they have deuce. Then you still need to win by two, so then someone gets the advantage. Then the other person takes it back. It's like
0: back and forth. So oh, they were brutal. not playing the bare minimum. No, they definitely weren't. No. This was a super hard-fought match. Um, it, I, The crowd was completely freaking out the entire time. Also, yeah. the crowd was... Like dying for Roger. To yes. Win. Okay.
1: I was gonna say they were like way more into Roger than yeah. they were into. So
0: the other thing about Novak is yeah. that he was kind of a dick in his younger years, like, like a massive dick, and not a lot of people liked him. Um, he's totally mellowed out as he's gotten older. He had a, he got married. He had a kid. and Now he's like a dad and he loves everything. But that attitude problems sort of stuck with everyone. So not everyone's a big Novak fan. Mm. Um, whereas Roger has been just the classiest dude for his whole career. So people are fucking obsessed with him. Mm. I also love Roger. Um, but the crowd was desperate for him to win. And so like every time Novak won a point, they were like, and then every yeah. time Roger won, they were like, Aah! like yeah. you can audibly hear the screaming. Yeah. Like the uh, the chair umpire had to tell the crowd to shut up multiple times. Mm. Um, but anyways, so Novak ended up winning in the end. It was a fantastic finals. Um, I, it makes me sad because I feel like Roger may never win another slam. Mm. And so out comes the conversation with this, um, is as to who the best is. And if you ever want to throw things into conversation, if you know people who watch tennis, just throw out the general question, who's the best ever at this point, Roger, Rafa or Novak? Mm. Cause it's really the three of them at this point. Yeah. I'll spark a big conversation. Yeah. And then you can just sit there. Yeah. And if you want extra stats, Roger currently has the most slams um, among the three of them, and I think ever at 20. Uh, He might be chasing someone. Doesn't matter. He has 20. Um, Rafa, I think, has 18, and Novak has 16. Um, Novak is still young enough that he could likely catch that record. Yeah. Um, Rafa has won most of his titles on the clay court, which... If you want to totally throw people who are Rafa fans, be like, oh, is it really legit if you only win all your titles on one court (laughs) and just like watch them all seethe? So guys, pro tips on tennis conversations right here. Um,
1: Okay. Something else that I always wonder when I'm watching these tennis tournaments, and you're probably going to be like, this is hilarious. But like, what is with all the kids scrambling on the sidelines? (laughs) And like, they are freaking frantic. Frantic. Like, do they all go to the same school to learn how to be frantic? Because they're all frantic in the same way.
0: Well, they're basically, yeah. So first of all, you do actually take courses on how to be a ball person. Like, if if you haven't watched tennis before, you're probably like, what on earth is she
1: talking about? But basically, like, every time there's a ball that, like, hits the net or something and that they're not going to keep playing with, because they change balls eight million times throughout a a game, um, there's these, like kids on the sideline I don't know teenagers maybe who like are knelt down and they're like they're basically like pulsing like just ready to pounce (laughs) at any moment and the second something goes awry they are like sprint sprint like sprint out get the ball sprint back and then they're like pulsing again like it's like (laughs) I wish you could see Megan (laughs) if I I really just watch them like it makes me feel anxious and like frantic because they're just so on edge and then also there's like I guess the like lines people line judges who are like standing at the back like all leaned over with yes. the exact same angle on their back and I'm just like what kind of school do all these people go to yeah
0: it's like really intense because so the kids the ball kids teenagers ball children um, <laughs> whatever, whatever they, they are, are um, they yes they do actually have to take courses on how to be ball people um, the thing is that like I don't know why it's like that, but everyone, like, you're just expected as a person who retrieves balls that you have to get it on and off the court as quickly as possible to not interrupt the flow of the game because so much of it is mental. So if you're too long, it throws away, like, it throws a wrench in like your serve setup, and like it's just you can't fuck around with tennis players and their mental game because so much of it is stuck in their heads that like these kids are just so on edge not trying not to freak out. It's true and I totally get it. It's just actually also interesting to think like
1: who are these kids? So like clearly these are kids who have some level of interest in tennis. Yes. So like their parents are probably rich but not super rich because if their parents were super rich they'd be sitting in the stands watching the game. So, like, rich enough that you, like, go to some bougie tennis club that's connected with Wimbledon, but, like, you're not, if you're a really good tennis player, you're not going to be the one frantically running on the sidelines. Like, I feel like you're just, like, I don't know, you'd feel like you're better than that. So, like, who are you that you're, like, the kid frantically running around on the sideline? Like, I've just been trying to figure that out. Like, who are you? Do you play tennis? Apparently,
0: like, so I just actually googled this um, and apparently this is a question that people have had of as course. in how the hell do you become a tennis ball person? It's apparently like a they call it a grueling X-factor style selection process. Wow. Yeah. What, do you just have to be frantic on stage and see if you're frantic enough for them? Precision rolling skills, a written test, and the ability to stand in the sun for hours on end. Oh my gosh! (laughs) I don't think they test your sun towers, but... Those are the requirements for the roll. Yeah, exactly. It's highly competitive. Rigorous mental and physical training program. I bet. 700 school children from Southwest London schools were put forward for 250 available positions.
1: Wow. There's
0: also an art to, like, feeding a tennis ball to the tennis player and, like, handing it to them. And do you put it on their racket? Do you, like, throw it to them? Like, there's a whole thing they need to know.
1: And, like, obviously you would have to understand tennis to even be in the running for this. Because you'd have to know, like, the different spots in the game where you would have to...
0: Yeah. Apparently. So it seems like for Wimbledon, there's an area... I don't know, maybe it changes every year, but teachers can actually put students' names forward who they think can do the job. Um, They have to be teenagers' age, like 15 or older. Um, And apparently you get paid for it. Wow. But you can have to put in up to 12-hour shifts. Wow. You do get to wear Ralph Lauren outfits, though, which is pretty fun. And you keep them. Cute. Um, But yeah, so those poor kids are, like, stressed AF the entire time. Um, But you get to be at Wimbledon, which if you're English is like a V big deal. Yeah, I guess. So yeah, that's the story of those poor children. As for the line judges, you can imagine how hard it is to be able to, like you have to literally be able to tell like down to the tiniest fraction whether a ball is But do
1: you? Because they do that instant replay right away. They
0: do, but there's only so many challenges you have in a game. Or a match, sorry. So So the line
1: judge calls it and that's the ruling? And then only if you you challenge it, they can go to... Yes. The
0: chair umpire can actually overrule a line judge. So if they call it and the chair umpire sees it differently, even up on their little perch, um, they can say, like, no, it was in or no, it was out. But the line judge's call is the call Mm -hmm. unless you challenge it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, So that's Wimbledon. Up next will be the U.S. Open in, I think, early September. But... No tennis for a little bit. Yeah. I'm take a break.
1: Okay. Um well we're gonna move into like a bit of a sadder story. It's kinda sad to start with, but then it's sort of like interesting on the tail end. Um so, you guys may have heard, may not have heard, Tyler Skaggs, who is a pitcher for the LA Angels, um, passed away a couple of weeks ago. He was found unresponsive in his hotel room, and they sort of don't really have much more information than that. Apparently, they're thinking it might be a suicide. Oh, really? Yeah, there's oh. been
0: rumblings. There's still nothing confirmed, but I've yeah. seen that.
1: So, he's, yeah, he's only 27 years old, or was 27 years old, um, and yeah I read an article that said something about like the coroner's office said that there wouldn't be like a an available like cause of death or whatever until October.
0: What? Yeah. How? I don't that know. body is
1: long decayed by that. I know. What even? I don't know what they're testing. That's so, so weird. Yeah. Anyways, we basically brought this up because last Friday the Angels honored Tyler at their um, game on Friday night, which was I think July twelfth. Um, so his mom came and threw out the first pitch, which was really sweet. Um, and like obviously all the players were like out there like hugging her and stuff. Um, but there was a whole bunch of like really cool stuff that happened during this game.
0: Yeah. So,
1: I mean, the first thing that's crazy is basically that the Angels had a combined no hitter that night, which basically means that there are two pitchers who pitched, um, through no hitters. So like, have we talked about no hitters on this podcast before? No, I
0: actually don't think we have. Okay. Um. You want a quick explanation? Do you? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much as advertised. Right. Yeah. There's a difference between a no hitter and a perfect game, but right.
1: so like people, I don't even know what the specifics were in this game, but like people could have been walked.
0: Yes, that's. I think they were actually for this game specifically. It was. It was actually a perfect game for a really long time until there was a ba- like a, a, a walk. walk. Yeah.
1: So basically, just means like literally no one hit the ball off of those pitchers. That was an actual hit yes. where they got on base or something. Yeah. They may have hit the ball, but they would have got out. Yes. Yeah. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Um, So anyways, so basically they threw a combined no-hitter, but it was actually the first time in the state of California since July 13th of 1991, which is the day that Tyler Skaggs was born.
0: That is so freaky.
1: Which was the next, like his birthday was the next day, right? July 12th is the day of the game. July 13th was his birthday and also... That's how long it had been since there was a no-hitter. Like, I don't know. That's crazy. Then there's a few other random things where I feel like they're, like, kind of reaching to, like, make these connections, Mm. but it's still kind of crazy. So, basically, the Angels had 13 runs on 13 hits on the eve of July 13th, which was his birthday. Um, Tyler wore number 45, and Mike Trout's first inning home run was 454 feet. Jeez. And then the last one is that the two pitchers combine for the 11th no-hitter in Angels history and Tyler wore number 11 in high school. So again, like some of these are like literally people looking at these numbers and trying to make connections. But it's still just so crazy. Like I don't really believe in all of this, you know, I don't know, whatever, extra what's the word i'm trying to think supernatural. of Supernatural. yeah supernatural type stuff were you but say it's... extraterrestrial yeah. yes <laughs> i was <laughs>
0: yes yes i was um but i still think that it's actually pretty crazy no it's it's really freaky i mean these are some of those sports stories that like they defy the laws of sports and life pretty right? much so yeah. it is really cool at the very end like watching them put hit their jerseys on the pitcher's mound was, like, really beautiful. Right, because
1: they all wore his number, right? Yeah. And his, like, his jersey?
0: I I think they all just wore 45. Okay,
1: yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, so then they all put their jerseys on the mound after. Apparently that wasn't planned either. Like, they just, at the end of the game, walked up and did that, and, like, it was just, it was really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. His mom looked so thankful. Yeah. Also, she threw a great first pitch. Yeah, she did. Oh my God. Like, it well, was I mean, obviously
1: the- she's probably been playing catch with him his whole life. If True. She's a professional
0: baseball player. True. So I would
1: trust that most parents of like baseball players would probably have a pretty good arm. <laughs>
0: I could be wrong on that, but that's my guess. How would you feel if I ever had a child and it became a baseball player with someone has, that has as poor hand-eye coordination skills as myself?
1: Well, don't you feel like you would learn with them though? Like they would probably make you play with them all the time. So you would just learn as they learned.
0: I mean, at what point can you no longer really learn a skill? (laughs) A lot later in life than currently. I don't have a specific year
1: for you, but um, yeah. Anyways, that's basically it for that. I just thought we would mention it because it's a
0: pretty crazy story. Yeah. Um it it is a really it's a lovely story and it's it's a really nice memory for Tyler's gigs. Yeah. Definitely. Um, okay, switching gears a bit to Olympics talk. We are currently in a non-Olympic year, but we're officially, what, we're about a year away now. Yeah, pretty much. It's so exciting. So, um, Summer Olympics are up next, They and we're going to be actually talking about some new sports that are coming to the Olympics. Yeah. So, originally, our story started out with um, sports that were provisionally going to be added to the 2024 Olympics. Um, and while we were there, we were like, I wonder if there's anything new coming to 2020. And of course there actually is. So we'll start with the most recent, um, new sports coming to the 2020 Olympics are going to be baseball softball. And both Meg and I were like, what? Right. Was this not a sport? Apparently it was, and then got taken away. Right. Why?
1: (laughs) I don't really have a good explanation for that. Um, Basically, it became an official sport at the Olympics in the 1992 Summer Olympics. And at that point, players were required to be amateurs, which basically means if you played in the MLB that you weren't... um, You didn't qualify to play in the Olympics, which is funny because... I mean, maybe other sports were like that then. Mm. I just don't know. But basically, it's saying that as of um, the 2000 Olympics... uh, Wait, would there have been Olympics in 2000? Yeah. Yeah, there would have been. Um, That... um, players were no longer required to be amateurs at that point. So from that point forward, like professionals obviously were been eligible to play. Um, So it was actually in... Like they obviously, it's it's kind of weird when you look at the Olympic stuff because they plan stuff so far in advance. Yeah. So like in 2005, they were already planning stuff for the 2012 Summer Olympics in London. Mm. So in 2005, they actually took a vote, and that's when baseball and softball were voted out of the 2012 Olympics. Like why? So the 2008 Olympics are the last Olympics they were there for, and then um, they're being added in again for this coming Olympics. So I don't know why they were taken out or anything like that. It, w- it just, it seems like, I mean, there's also a comment that the last sport that was voted out of the summer Olympics was polo, which was in 1936. So there was just a huge period of time where I think they were just adding sports. They weren't mm. taking any out. And then it, they finally just like had another meeting of like, okay, let's reassess the sports that are here. And somehow that one got taken out. I don't really know.
0: Yeah. It looks like, so IOC head Jacques Rogue, who is he still the IOC head? He's a douchebag. Um, apparently, he said, like, he made some comment about how there isn't enough universality in baseball and that you need, like, a following and strict compliance with drug doping anti- or anti doping agencies, and that just, like, it didn't meet it. Hmm. But, like, baseball is actually fairly worldwide. I mm, mean, yeah. it's not, I guess, huge in Europe, but, like, massive following in Asia. Um, huge following in North and South America. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm glad it's coming back, especially because yeah. I'm like, I'd like to see Team Canada. We yeah. Some pretty decent players. Yeah. Um, so yeah, baseball, softball is coming back. Surfing is getting added, which yeah. is so cool. Yeah.
1: I don't know the details of like what the events will be, but either way. Also, how
0: do you get waves?
1: Like where are they going to put them?
0: Where are the Olympics again? Tokyo. Tokyo.
1: Yeah, I mean, Tokyo will... Japan will have, like, lots of water around it. True. But what if it's, like, a bad day and there's just no waves? (laughs) Well, I think in the ocean there's always waves. Okay. But I don't really know what you do. I guess if you host the Summer Olympics somewhere like Calgary, Alberta... Yeah, then what? Do, you, do, do you, get, you you hop in the wave pool, you put the kids yeah. in on do the Do you have weekend? an event in like Tofino, British Columbia for the surfing portion of your Alberta Olympics because you don't have an ocean nearby? Like, I don't know. That's a great question. Maybe it's just a sport that can only be added... When it's like non-landlocked country? Yeah, I don't know. What a great question. Yeah, because actually the 2024 Olympics are in Paris. Yes. So where
0: in Paris are they going to go surfing? Nah, anyways. Not our problem. Problems to be figured out. (laughs) Um, Skateboarding is getting added. Super pumped about that. Um, Sport climbing.
1: Yeah, which I think is just rock climbing. I just don't really know. I think I read somewhere about bouldering, which is like the side-to-side version of rock climbing. Oh my God. So I don't know if it would be like a distance that you'd go and you'd be timed or... Do you think they have, like, a course you have to map out? Maybe. And, like, it's time trial? Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, we, we don't really know the details of these sports, just that they're being added. And the these sports um, were also listed as what were added for 2024. So I think maybe what's happening is that there's just new events for these sports yeah. that are being added for 2024. But another sport being added in 2024 that's not at 2020... Break dancing. Break dancing is going to be at the Olympics. Well, provisionally. I guess they still have to confirm, but that's amazing. I don't really know. I guess just like gymnastics, it would just be scored or it would be, yeah, yeah, like you would get a score.
0: I mean, I'm assuming, I I actually tried to think about this and I was like, is it going to be like, so you think you can dance style? Like, do you have, I'm assuming it'll have a bit of elements of gymnastics in that you'll want to have like certain moves that you'll need to do to like, like get, I don't know what, like requirements of a routine and right. then you can like freestyle the rest of it. Yeah. Like figure I, it's,
1: skating. It's interesting because I feel like this opens the door to like other dance styles. Totally. And like whether they should be there or not. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's I feel like it's like a tricky subject because in my opinion, some stuff is like the arts, mm. right? Like I feel like dance falls under like an art umbrella. Not that it can't also be a sport, but I just, in general, in my head, it falls under like more of an art
0: form. Yeah, it's a wild one though, where because pro dancers are like, like, they're athletes.
1: For sure. Just like cheerleaders are, and they're not in the Olympics. Yeah. So, I would consider cheerleading way more of a sport than dancing.
0: Really? Having
1: done both of them,
0: yeah. But I mean, obviously
1: it wasn't at a professional level of either. Yeah. I was
0: going to say like ballerinas are like terrifying, but it's like, I just, I just really
1: associate dance with art. Breakdancing is a bit different, I guess, because it does have more like, um, I don't know, gymnastic type moves sort of Mm -hmm. in it. And like the headstands and like spinning on your head and all of this kind of shit. That's like, that's way more athletic than like typical dance, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm just
0: excited. Yeah. I'm super pumped it's going to be a sport, I think, or like an Olympic sport. I think it's going to be, it's going to be so interesting to see like how you put a team together for this. Like, well, it wouldn't be a team. It would be individual, wouldn't it? Well, could you submit multiple people? Well, yeah, I guess that'll be part of the rules. I don't know. There's so many questions. So many. I'm so excited. Yeah. I hope they have like, um, like who are the judges for this? Is it, like, the Jabba Julianne Julianne Hough and, like, um, Nigel Lithgow from I Think You Can Dance. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, who knows? Very cool. Anyways, the Olympics are going to be way more fun in the next couple years, and I'm here for it. Yeah. Because I can't say that I'm a huge fan of things like Target shooting,
1: Mm, mm -mm. you know? Yeah.
0: Huge respect for it, because God knows I couldn't do it, but, like... Don't know that it's my favorite sport.
1: Right. One other sport we actually didn't mention that's coming in 2020 is karate. I so guess. cool! But that's another one where I feel like karate would have been there at some point.
0: Yeah, it's weird because they have judo. They have judo, yeah. Do they have jujitsu? jitsu No, I don't
1: think okay,
0: so. Okay, I don't think so, yeah. A judo, definitely.
1: So, yeah, judo's been there. So, I don't know. I didn't I didn't dive into whether karate was previously there or not. But either way, it's going to be there for 2020, supposedly. So
0: Fun fact, my girl Ronda Rousey won a medal for judo at the Olympics. Oh. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. She's super good. Wow. That's
0: yeah. impressive. Uh, okay. So, last up, we're going to do a quick, another basketball story. <laughs> yep. Um, this one is in relation to the FIBA World Cup. So, it's basically basketball's version of the World Cup for, like, soccer. Like Most FIFA. sports have their own World Cup that shows up every few years. Um You play it at an international level, FIBA being the international governing body of basketball, sort of like the equivalent of the double IHF for hockey um, and FIFA for soccer. So this year it's going to be in China. It starts August 31st and goes to September 15th and it's held every four years just like the World Cup in soccer. Um, so the big story that we actually just saw before recording this is that Andrew Wiggins of the Minnesota Timberwolves fame and notable Canadian it has not been invited to Team Canada's training camp. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Um...
1: I mean, we haven't. Andrew Wiggins is a whole other thing. Basically, to give a little background and context as to why this is a big deal, but basically, he is um, from Vaughn, also GTA. (laughs) Woop woop! And so he is a great basketball player. He played at Kansas uh, in college for one year, did really well, and ended up getting drafted first overall in the twenty fourteen NBA draft. Um, and was drafted by Cleveland but then basically in the offseason got traded in this big like three-way trade to Minnesota so he actually never played any games in Cleveland he just went straight to Minnesota and played there Um, so like I mean, this is... Okay, so 2014 draft. So that season would be when we had just moved here, which would be when I was, like, maybe just starting to watch basketball. Mm -hmm. But I remember being really into Andrew Wiggins because he was Canadian, because he went first overall. So I would, like... I don't know. Greg and I just talked about it a lot, and I was, like, really into him, thinking he was going to be great. And then he sort of just hasn't been that great. Yeah, part
0: of the problem is that he... He doesn't seem to care a whole lot. Like, that's the problem. is like, he has these, like, notable attitude problems. He sort of, he got paid a lot of money. And he sort of has just been like, cool, I got paid. I'm good now. Um, The other thing is, so the year that Andrew Wiggins got drafted by Cleveland was the year that LeBron went back to Cleveland. Um. So LeBron went back, and there was this huge controversy because he basically was like... I don't really want Andrew Wiggins. I want to trade him. And so they did. They traded Andrew Wiggins, and they got Kevin Love, who LeBron wanted. So
1: there was this, like, huge
0: controversy because that was also... People were pissed that year that they got the first overall pick, too. I remember watching that NBA draft, and one of the commentators was like, this is all bullshit. Mm. Like, LeBron James is back on your team, and you're telling me that it just magically worked out that you also get the first overall pick, because they had some stupid number of first overall picks in the last however many years. So it all just felt really fixed, and it was just a bad look that year. And Andrew Wiggins has never really seemed to, like, pull his head out of his ass as a result. And he has the potential to be so good, but he's never really gotten better.
1: Yeah, it seems like he must have done well at the start, because he did get the Rookie of the Year award in Mm -hmm. 2015 for the NBA, so obviously he, like, did well there, but, uh, yeah, I feel like he's just, like, not really in talks of, like, good players. Nope. Nope, not at all. Um, And, like, Minnesota doesn't really do particularly well either, so that probably doesn't help.
0: Yeah, it's Like, even if
1: he's a pretty good player, but the rest of the team's not great, like, yeah. It's just weird... Yeah, so basically, like, the reason this all came up is it's just very surprising that he wouldn't be invited to Team Canada's training camp, because, I mean, you know, we're getting better in terms of, like, Canadian basketball players, but we still don't have, like, a ton of superstars right now. And so he would, in theory, be one of the better ones. Yeah, so he would probably be the best
0: player on the team.
1: Yeah, so it's strange that he wasn't invited, and, like, I mean, I guess there's some speculation on whether... He truly wasn't invited, or maybe he was, and then turned it down and they just like played it off as if they just chose yeah. not to invite him. Like, who knows? But either
0: way, it's a bad look for everyone involved. It's a bad look that like we didn't invite him because he's obviously the best Canadian out there, and it's a bad Hold look. One of them. <laughs> Or one of. Um, And it's a bad look on his part that he, his attitude problems, if it truly is that we didn't invite him, it's a bad look for how he's progressed as a player. Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, A couple people who are going to be at the training camp, RJ Barrett, obviously, Obviously. who we've talked about a lot on this podcast. Um, Chris Boucher from the Raptors. Fresh off a title win. Yep. Um, uh, Who was the other person I was thinking of? Corey... Joseph? Mm-hmm. Corey Joseph, who Kojo. previously played in Toronto. Um, who's the player on Denver? I should have written these people down. Jamal all Murray. Just in my head. Yeah, Jamal Murray, who plays for Denver. So there are a few, like,
0: pretty well-known yep. Canadian basketball players who will be there. We're going to have a pretty decent team. I'm yeah. excited. Also, the thing with this is that, um, like, the FIBA World Cup is good because it's, like, sort of um Every few years, you can see how far your country's progressed in terms of basketball development. So, like, one or two World Cups from now, we're going to be real fucking good. Yeah.
1: I mean, I looked back, and in 2015, it looks like we won bronze. Yes. Um, so It was I mean, a big deal. Yeah. It seems like, I mean, we should have, like, more people on the team now than we did then. So, who knows what will happen. Um, one other thing, though, I thought was worth mentioning is that there are a couple of um, exhibition games uh, against Nigeria. So, they're playing in Toronto on August 7th, and then in Winnipeg on August 9th. So, those are probably, like, I don't know, I think those be pretty exciting games to go to, just mm-hmm. to kind of get, I don't know, get to see it, like, live. And then their first game of the tournament, Canada's first game, is on September 1st against Australia,
0: and then we also have Lithuania and Senegal in our group. It's not an easy group, to be quite honest. Australia has a couple of good players. Um, Lithuania, like, that's Jonas Valanciunas, mm-hmm. so... Um, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't think Senegal is going to do a whole lot, but, um, I would be super excited for them to make a push, especially against teams like Australia and Lithuania. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll, uh, loop back around on that once we get closer too. Yeah. See if we can catch a game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess that's pretty much it for sports this week. It's exciting. Yeah. Because it means we get to talk about reality TV. Yeah. Which is something we've been waiting to do for a while. Yes, it is. Um, okay, I wanna be caught up on Bachelor at first. Because okay. I said I was gonna commit when Hometown started and I still have not watched the Hometowns episode. Okay. So
1: Hometowns was last week. So as a recap of who's left, there's still Luke P, annoying, crazy Luke P, who got first impression rose but then like turned yes. crazy. Which you don't really know if you haven't watched the season, but it's irrelevant kind so of. So he's he,
0: is he the one with the based- fantasy suite issue? Well, I'll get to that. Okay, yeah. Okay. so I'm thinking the right yeah, one. Yeah, you are thinking okay. the right way. Okay.
1: So there's there's Luke, then there's Jed, who's the musician. Yes. From Nashville. Who I
0: definitely didn't have going far enough in my fantasy
1: pool. Then there's Peter the Pilot. Peter the Pilot, yes. And then there's Tyler, super hottie from
0: Florida. Yes. Yeah. Tyler's a hottie. Yeah. A hottie oh. with a body. If he doesn't win, he ooh, might be ooh, the next ooh. Bachelor. Yeah, I know. I know. It's intense. <laughs> um,
1: anyway, so those are the four left. So she goes to the hometowns. They're all good. Like, at this point, I'm actually really liking Tyler. Like, his hometown was really good. He, I think, um, yeah, like, she had, like, really good interactions with his family. And, like, he has two brothers who she, like, got along with really well. And um, his dad has, like, some health issues. And so, like, they had, like, a little bit more of, like, a heartfelt kind of conversation. And... She just, like, really wanted to, because Tyler comes across a little younger, I guess, than the other guys. They're all, like, mid-20s, but he just, like, seems to come across a little younger, so she was a bit worried about the, like, is he actually ready to be engaged, Um, and they all said that, like, going in, they didn't really know, because they were kind of like, well, I don't know, it's a gamble, but then, like, seeing him with her, and, like, they've never seen him so happy, and, like, whatever, all this stuff, right? So she kind of got what she wanted out of that. Um, Jed's hometown was interesting. Um, I've read some stuff afterwards saying that, like, his sister feels like they portrayed her differently on the episode than how it really went down. So, like, you never know. But basically, they all had concerns that he wouldn't be able to continue his music career and have, a like, a full-on relationship, like get engaged, get married. Like, that those wouldn't go hand in hand. Okay. So, like, either... Either he kind of has to give up his music to, like, fully be into Hannah, or Hannah has to give up everything else to be, like, follow Jed along on his music career. Is sort of the impression they gave. Jesus. Yeah. Which is, like, kind of terrifying. But Jed's the only one at that point who had fully said that he was in love with her, and she said she was falling in love with him. Like, she hadn't said those words to anyone else. So it's weird, because that it, like, puts him sort of like he's a front runner, but then, like, all this drama... So who knows like they can edit it in of crazy course. ways, right? So I don't know. Um Luke's hometown was fine like I mean Luke's issue is that like he can't get along with the guys and he's like said a, he's like lied a lot to them and like said a lot of things to them and then differently to Hannah and like I don't, I know. don't trust sketchy no, bitches like that. I do not trust him at all. Like even just when I look at him and like watch him talk to her, I'm just like I don't trust anything you're saying. And, like, she's second-guessed herself a lot along the way with him. But for some reason, she has, like, this feeling. Like, he was, like, the Mm -hmm. closest thing she's ever felt to love at first sight. Like, again, he was her first impression rose. There was just some sort of, like, immediate connection that she felt. And I think it partially could be because he's the only one this year who's, like, really outwardly, like, talks about his faith. And she, like, goes to church and is really into that. So I feel like they connect on that level, which I think, like, when you are somebody who, like, believes in that. That's obviously really important. Yeah. So not that these other guys don't also have that. They're just not as open and, like, talking about it.
0: The thing is that, like, describing a guy like that, like, that is... Just the mind games that would end up in your relationship? Well, yeah. So here here we go. So we get to the end of Hometowns.
1: She gives the roses to Peter and Tyler, and then she's like, I need a minute. So she leaves. So God. then while she's gone, the guys all just start talking, the three of them without Luke. So Jed, Tyler, Peter are talking, saying, like, obviously, Jed, you're going to get the rose. Like, this is the time. Like, oh, Luke's God. obviously going to see or she's obviously going to see through Luke, like, the time's come, whatever. And then she basically just can't make a decision. Well, she's like, I'm not ready for either of these relationships to end. So she gives all four of them roses. So no one goes home. Well,
0: yes. So are, they, are the producers now booking an extra fantasy suite? Because they're like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
1: <laughs> so then Jed takes this super personally because Jed's like, Luke's a terrible guy. So the uh, fact that, like,
0: you clumped us into the same category. I mean, fair. Totally fair. If you... Totally if fair really really get a bad feeling about someone and she basically puts you in the same category as him that's not great no
1: so then we move into fantasy suite week which was this week so her first date is with um peter and they have this really nice date they're like out on a yacht in the middle of greece they're in greece for fantasy suites um and so they end up their night like overnight date part is in a windmill so what yeah so basically like it's this stone like building that the windmill is attached to yeah, yeah and inside that stone building is like a room and so you what? stay there yeah so this the windmill will come up later so oh, just hold on oh. to so they go there and they have this like great night and whatever and it like interviews both of them the next morning they had the best time blah 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 so all good then she goes into her, her date with tyler they have a great date um everything with her and tyler is like really physical like they have so much like physical chemistry mm-hmm. that they're just like on each other all the time like they can't help themselves and so when they're in their, like, evening portion of the date having dinner, when she goes to give him the fantasy sweet card, she basically says, like, I want to do this with you, but I don't want us to have sex. Because that's not a concern for me in our relationship. Like, ah. we're super physical. Like, that's not the concern. The concern is, like, our emotional connection. So, like, I want to... be
0: very mature about that. I
1: know. So she's like, I want to do this with you. I want to have all this off-camera time. But I, like, want to say right now that, like, I don't want it to go there. And so he was completely fine with that. And then they went into it. Their overnight was actually on a boat. So they like got to like sleep. What is with
0: all of these different spots? (laughs) Give them a fucking hotel room.
1: (laughs) So theirs was in a boat. And um, the next morning it interviews her and like, she was the most smitten kitten ever. Like, oh. she said that, like, the they would start, like, making out, and it would get hot and heavy, and then he would, like, cut it off and be like, no, this isn't what you want. Like, let's just, like, back it up and, like, have a good conversation. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So she said it was, like, it was the most respectful, the most respect that she'd ever felt by a man in her life.
0: Wow. And I was like, wow,
1: those are strong words. You should probably just send everyone else
0: home. Literally.
1: Like, uh, Yeah, I just he he's like for sure my front runner right now. Basically. But anyways, um so they have an amazing night. Correct. Everything's great then it goes into jed and so her and jed like have this really awkward daytime date where they like get hooked up with this random greek family having like a family dinner and they like invite them to like come in on it so they can expel like a experience like a real greek traditional culture Uh but it's weird because the people keep asking hannah questions about like her journey so she's basically having to talk about all the other relationships in front of jed who's just like oh this is so annoying and like this one girl just won't stop asking her questions and like yeah Anyways, finally Jed's what? like the fuck? I know it's weird. So finally Jed says, like, can I take you away for a second? And so they step aside and he brings out these concerns about Luke. Finally. Uh, he's never said anything. Like he's kept his mouth shut this whole time. But he's like, basically the long and short of it is he felt um sort of I forget, I don't can't think of the word I'm like trying dispected? to disrespected? Well yeah, disapp- I guess like He just felt really shitty about the fact that he got clumped in with Luke last week and that like the two of them were who she was deciding between kind of thing. Right. And so he like expresses all of this. They go into the nighttime portion of their date. It kind of continues and Hannah gets kind of mad at one point because she's like, let it go. But he's like, no, like, I just really need you to understand. Like, I love you. I care about you. Like, I don't want anything bad to happen to you. Like, blah, blah, blah. They have this whole thing. Um, they get on the same page. They're all good. They go into their overnight. I'm pretty sure they have sex. They don't really like say it obviously, but it seems that way. Um, they were just in a regular hotel room. So there's a little bit oh, okay. more normal. Wow. Jed got the short end of the stick. He yeah. should have been in like an airplane overnight. <laughs> Seriously. Then we go to Luke P. So her and Luke go on a helicopter trip to Santorini for the day. The daytime of the date seems fine. Go into nighttime. And, um, Luke wants to talk about sex. And so, yeah. he's like, I know that you've had sex before, and, like, you know that I have. Like, I know you're not a virgin, blah, blah, blah. But at this point, like, goes into all of this, like, faith-based, like, sex is meant to be between a husband and a wife, and blah, blah, blah. And so, he's I was, like...
0: everyone could see my face right now. Yeah. Because, like, my eyes are just basically in the back of my head. Yeah, pretty much. <sighs>
1: um, basically, he says if he were to find out that she had had sex with any of the other guys on this journey, that he'd want to go home. So she's immediately like, this guy's got to be kidding me. Like, you've had so many Fuck red... that. Literally. Like, you've had so many red flags this whole journey of all these things that don't go on my list of what I want in a husband, but I've, like, bypassed them because I still see a lot of good in you. And you're going to come to me and be like, one thing on my list is that I don't want you to have had sex with anyone else, and if I have, then you're just going to take me off? Like, she was just... So she sent him home and basically he like wouldn't leave. Like she kept, he like didn't get that it was literally over. Like he just kept trying to get his way out of it and like take things back. And she's like, no, like this is it. You could tell by her face, like she was over it. Like there's no questioning it. And then, so she's trying to get him to leave and he won't. And then, um, basically she's like, well, I'm, do you want me to say something that's going to make you get in that van right now? Because like you had concerns about me, um, whatever, like, being with the other guys, well, I can tell you that this week I've had sex in a windmill. <gasps> and then when she says it, like, in the private, like, camera thing later, she says, like, that they had sex in a windmill, and it was so good that they did it again.
0: Oh, my <laughs> and I was God. like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> wow, she's really grown, hey? Oh, <laughs> I'm obsessed with
1: her. Like, I actually am obsessed with her. Um, But yeah, so she sends Luke off in the van, gives him the finger, and is literally like, F you, you piece of garbage. I never want to see you again. And of course, he's going to come back next week on next week's episode. Great. Can't wait. Yeah.
0: That was a very long-winded
1: description. I'm going to watch that episode. Yeah. It's been good. Wow. Yeah. Huh. So, but now what happens is she has to go into this rose ceremony where she only has two roses. Like, Luke's gone home, but now she still has to send one of the other three home. So, it's a double
0: eviction night, baby.
1: I don't know who it's going to be. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Find out on the most dramatic finale ever. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, oh, yeah. What's the thing? This is something I wanted to say. What's the thing in like um, literature called where like the environment mimics the situation?
0: Oh, no. You should have asked me this ahead of time so I could look it up. Um, like you meet like an allegory or something like when basically, like... like
1: right when all this shit was going down with Hannah and Luke it started to just thunderstorm
0: oh yeah like it was like
1: fine the weather is fine and then all of a sudden it's like pouring rain on them and it's like thunderstorming and I was like this is whatever that literary term is wow I feel like there's a word
0: for it that you like learn about in English class oh no Don't know I'm probably head. I need to consult with people on this mm Yeah. I mean, my best guess is an allegory. It's like, uh, but it's, no, that's not right. I don't know. We don't do math, nor do we do linguistics on this podcast.
1: It's true. I mean, I'm like, I don't know anything about English. A pathetic fallacy is a literary device in which human emotions are attributed to aspects of nature, such as weather oh yeah okay maybe I'm just thinking of it wrong I mean either way all I really wanted to get across with that is basically it turned into a full on storm right when they were talking about this and I was like wow this is so dramatic whatever the word is
0: (laughs) something (laughs) anyway next week we'll add that to our list of things we need to correct yeah sure um so big brother yes have you been watching I have okay what are your thoughts so far um I'm not sure about this whole camp comeback thing like how the people are still in the house. So, like, part of me is like, yeah, I literally hate twists like this, but part of me likes that it's new and fresh and interesting. True. I like the fact that they're still in the house because there's still drama with them. So, um, I'm totally into that whole thing. These people are kind of a mess. Yeah, I've,
1: I'm into it. Like, so far I'm I'm liking everyone and I feel like there's been like a couple of guys who have gone home which I like normally it's just like girl 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 and they just all get like picked off but some of these people are
0: trash yeah like yeah so for people who haven't been watching the big twist on Big Brother this year is that the first four people eliminated actually stay in the house they can't compete in any competitions um, but they still get to basically interact and live in the house as though they were still there they also don't get to vote they don't get get to vote correct so it's Interesting because they get to still play a social game, and then after four weeks, they're going to do a camp comeback where competition where one of the house guests who have been evicted will get to come back into the game, and then the rest of them are gone forever. So, if you also haven't been watching, there's like one big alliance of eight people called Grateful, uh-huh. Get it? <laughs> um, and then there's a couple of other alliances that have already been blown up yeah. because no one can keep their fucking mouth shut in this game. Literally no one. Um, one of them, if you uh, watched one of the more recent episodes, was literally blown up because the middle-aged dude was talking to his wife on camera because oftentimes, because the house guests have nothing to do, they get up and they'll literally just sit in front of a camera and talk to their families so the live people who watch the live feeds can see it. Um, and he just completely told the entire, like, his whole game. His alliance that it was it was in, um, and... Who was in it, everything like everything, that. Everything, the name of it. Yep. And he got overheard, and Chris, that alliance... Christine, right? Christy found it, yeah. or Christy? That's Chris, her name. Oh, Christy. Okay. Yeah, and uh, she overheard it, and that alliance got blown up. Mm. Um, the There was also a second alliance that was made what was all-girls, because as usual, as per tradition, an all-girls alliance is formed, and then immediately blown up, because Bella, who... I had slightly high hopes for. Hmm. Her bio did not reflect what a fucking dumbass she is yeah, in this she game. Yeah, she really
1: can't keep her mouth shut.
0: No. Like, she has blown up all of the alliances she's been part of. Mm-hmm. She's also in a showman with a guy named Nick, um, which they, have not show- they haven't shown a lot about the showmances. So on the off-camera, or like not on the episodes um, situation, so Nick and Bella are in a showmance, and Jack and Annalise have been just like fucking... So cool. I, I mean, listen, I'm all for sex in the BB house because some years it's a dry year and the live feed people just, they they don't like it. Right. Like, give me some action after dark. Right. Um, but, so Jack and Annalise have been hooking up. But then, as of like two days ago, Nick and Annalise started like being all over each other and then Bella freaked out. But Jack isn't all that upset because he's totally obsessed with Christy, who I don't think is straight. Um, and it's just a hot mess express wow wasn't Jackson also isn't he
1: like hanging out with Holly
0: oh yeah well Jackson who they call Mickey because that's his last so name I think um, yes because Jackson and Kat were hanging out and then he was like he's such a fuck boy mm-hmm. like he's also a terrible player mm-hmm. he's one of those he's the atypical BB player who thinks that he is a an absolute genius at this game yeah. and he's actually terrible yeah
1: He's I mean he's turning out to be a lot better than I thought based on his picture alone. Like remember he had the straight smile?
0: Like oh the my straight God. across smile with like no up or down.
1: No, he pretty much lives up to
0: that photo for me.
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I think he's just like a lot more like um attractive and um outgoing. Wow, I'm so bad with words today. I can't think of anything. Charismatic yeah. than the straight across smile let on.
0: Okay, that's fair. So I
1: thought he was just going to be this like dull, quiet, weird, nerdy guy, no, which instead isn't really coming across at all.
0: Outgoing and playing way too hard. Yeah. So it's going to come back to bite him in the ass. It is. Um, as this an aside, Annalise is stunning. Mm, yeah, she like, is. She's stupidly pretty. Yeah, and very fit. Oh my god, so fit. Yeah. Um, I don't know what much else of the other, ha- the rest of the house is doing, but basically grateful is running the house at this point, the big Alliance. Um, they have been like weirdly exclusionary and, um, kind of awful to everyone else in the house. There was like a big thing that happened on the camera that I'm wondering if they'll put in the regular, like in the episodes where, um, they slammed a door in Nicole's face. Nicole being grammar girl with the tattoo choker necklace who really just doesn't have a clue what's happening. No. I feel bad for her. Yeah, she's pretty far removed. From and everything. she's trying really hard. It's not even like she's just napping her way through the first six weeks of the season. Like, she's right. trying. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she tried to get into a room with, I guess, Grateful sitting there, and they literally slammed a door in her face and, I guess, told her to go away, and she got really upset. So then Tommy, who, I don't know what his purpose in this game is, besides oh. having the most intense accent. Besides just entertaining me left and right.
1: <laughs> he runs around that house like he's in a Broadway musical at all times. All the time. <laughs> and I'm obsessed with it.
0: Yeah, he sashays everywhere. He does. I
1: can. <laughs> (laughs) I get enough of him.
0: Like, it's just, also, his accent sounds like a cartoon, though. It does. Like, he's just, like, he's so New York, like, you know, what's going on? Like, it's just so excessive. So anyways, he tries to mediate a conversation between Nicole, who's got the door slammed in her face, and Bella, who can't keep her fucking mouth shut, um, because apparently that's going to help the situation, Mm. and all Bella did in that scenario was scream in Nicole's face, blame her for everything, including blowing up their alliance, even though Bella did it one minute after it got formed. Um, and then she stormed out. And so Nicole has been very sad ever since. Aww. Yeah, it's really sad. Um, there's not a whole lot of support on that side of the house because they are all getting voted out. Mm. Um, so that's pretty much everything that's happening there. Wow. It's it's a mess. The yeah. season is like... It- I would encourage anyone who um, is into seeing what happens sort of not in the episodes, you can go on Twitter. People live tweet what's happening. There's also like live feeds that um, people will report on. I think Joker's Updates is the one that I use all the time. But then just as a FYI, then you get all the spoilers, which means you
1: know everything before it happens. You will know
0: everything before it happens because in the world, in the actual house, they do HOH on Thursday. Noms are usually Friday or Saturday. And then POV is Monday. So um, it happens much quicker in the house. So typically, if you do go on the live feeds, you're going to get spoiled by the end of the weekend as to exactly yeah. what's happening. Which is why I never watch them because I don't like to get spoilers.
1: See, I love it. I know mean, you do. Ugh. Um, wait though, who's the guy from Pennsylvania who's the truck driver?
0: Sam, who yells. I
1: love him too. He
0: yells so much. He does, but it's like excited yell. Why must he yell at the diary room camera? Oh, they can hear you. He's just a loud talker. Don't you think if you were in there that you'd be yelling at the freaking camera? No, I don't think I'd be yelling. I mean, like, I, I don't know. That's a great I, point. I, but I we really run a like podcast him. and we don't yell into Wow, oh. I feel like we're basically yelling right now. It's true. We do banshee shriek a lot. Yeah.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah. But anyway. I don't like this, this realization of self <laughs> right now. You're giving me a crisis. Um, I really like Sam, though. Yeah. I, I'm i sort of indifferent because he's just so fucking loud. Um, also, I don't quite understand. Like, he's so, like, thinking everything's great and there's so much happening around him. And that he's he just like, know. I want some POVs. I'm doing amazing. And yeah. everybody's like, oh, my God, there are alliances. You are part of none of them. Yes.
1: Like, Yeah. I still think he'll hang around for a bit, though. I think think the Grateful Alliance is going to break up sooner than later. I mean, I haven't been watching the live feeds, but based on the show, like what they're airing, it seems like they're going to break up soon, and then it seems like some of them will likely loop in with Sam.
0: Honestly, they're definitely going to end up breaking up because all of them are way too hot-headed for this. The only one not hot-headed being Holly, who I don't know what she does. Yeah, me neither. She's just like Annalise's older sister. Yeah. Just prancing around the house. Yeah. With her big glasses, Yeah. So, bull I'm clear.
1: Well, somehow we've still managed to keep this at a a regular episode length. (laughs) We do. Oh, my God. Even though we thought, content-wise, we'd be on the low end for time, but we're not. So, anyways, hopefully uh, people enjoyed our rant about reality
0: shows. I mean, it was a very big recap. It was. So... I guess we won't need to do it again next week. No, probably a couple weeks. Yeah, we'll tune back in. Like, we'll come back to reality review maybe, like, af- at the Bachelorette finale. Exactly, yeah, which will be a couple weeks from now. And then we can talk about Bachelor of Paradise. Yes. Uh, Hot Mess Express. Yes. Can't wait. Yeah. Um, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Cleats and Cocktails, or on Twitter, Cleats
1: Cocktails. Send us any questions you may have or things that you would like us to talk about to cleatsandcocktails at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and follow or favorite on any other podcast platforms. And um, we'll be back next week. Cheers, guys. Cheers.